1: And welcome again to Cottage Talk. I am Russ Goldman. Joining me right now is Dan Crawford from handmean.com and the Green Pole Podcast. This is our match reaction show. We're going to be looking back at Fulham's 3-1 to victory against Sheffield United and Craven Cottage. Dan was there. I watched it. So we're going to have two different types of views on this show. Let's not waste any time. Mr. Crawford, how are you doing? I want to get right to it. Give me your opening reaction of Saturday's victory for Fulham.
0: Oh, I'm very well, Ross, and that has a lot to do with the fact that I watched Fulham score three goals, three and goals, get, and get three points. Yeah, well, technically we scored four goals, of course, um, but <laughs> three goals at the right end, <laughs> right, and three and three points. And for a long period of that match, I don't know what you thought, but I was worried it was going to be another one of those days where we missed every kind of chance possible to score a goal. And then once we started scoring, we looked like scoring almost all the time. Um, but I think there was quite a lot of fortune um, involved in this victory, um, which I'm sure we'll get on to. But my, sure. my immediate reaction is pure, unadulterated joy um, at Fulham, you know, locating the back of the net. And being able to win because this was a very important game, uh, as you yourself had recognised beforehand. And I think everyone looked at it and thought, we just about beat Luton. It's going to have to be better. I'm not even going to talk about what happened or uh, this time last week. No, let's like, not talk about well, that. I don't think it actually did happen. I've wiped it entirely from my memory.
1: Okay. Well, I'm going to give you my reaction, and it's simply one word, Dan, and I think you're going to agree with me, relief. Because that was the first thought that went through my head was relief because I know what's coming up. I know how difficult the fixtures are coming up, and I didn't want to get to be close to that relegation. I wanted to get away from it. So this gives them a little bit of a buffer where they have tough matches coming up. So for me, the word was relief. A couple of things. Relief on getting all three points and relief of scoring three freaking goals, Dan. Come on. I it, It's double relief because I think that's important. I'm glad that you mentioned the opportunities in the first half. We're going to get there because uh, I was kind of feeling the way you were feeling, Dan. I, I was thinking, could this have been a missed opportunity? So what's interesting, and I'll share this with you, Dan, before we really talk about some other topics, after the match, I decided I would listen to some commentary from a Sheffield United perspective. So I went to BBC Radio Sheffield to hear their reaction. And it was very interesting because obviously the reaction was extremely negative, very upset. A lot of talk about Heck and Bottom not changing the formation and that Marco Silva basically won the coaching battle because. Heckenbottom refused to change the shape of his team and that Marco knew how to play against his shape and uh, took advantage of it. So that those are some of the commentary I got after the match. But let's just talk about Marco. What, what's going here? Let's talk about Marco because he does change it up, Dan. He changes up the starting 11. And were you surprised by this? And what were your thoughts about the changes?
0: Um, I wasn't surprised. Clearly, something had to change uh, because we were in no way um, a Marco Silverside in the Monday night fixture that I mentioned. It almost at times felt like Fulham weren't playing in that match. Um, So, And it was clear that changes had to be made. I wouldn't have made... Some of the changes, I thought it's exceptionally harsh on Raul Jimenez to drop him, uh, have it, you know, I could understand it just on the bare face that he hasn't scored goals and you want to change it for somebody else, but a striker can only score goals if he's given the service. And right. he was just standing up there basically on his own and the ball was nowhere near him for large parts of the the derby. And that's unforgivable, but by the way, I'm still very angry, um, from just a fan's perspective about how easy that was for the state sanctioned silly little boys from Stamford Bridge to 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 win and to score goals against us. I know. Um, I mean, the, the audacity of it is <laughs> exce- is exceptional. But staying on topic, because I know yep. we've got limited time so Vinicius for Jimenez you can understand it um, and I'll be interested to get your thoughts on how you felt Carlos uh, played because okay. he missed some chances but he made the first goal and he put himself about in more ways than one uh, the other two changes I, I, I totally agree with Awobi had to start it yeah. was just a question of where you were going to put him I really like Alex Awobi he looks every inch a top level uh, Premier League player, and he adds something different to the midfield. I like the contrast, the balance between him and Joe Polina. I mean, Joe Polina is going to make anybody look a better footballer, but a is fast and he's bright and he's inventive and it worked. And, you know, Bobby D could overread of Wax Liverpool about him on your show before. Yep. One of my favourite players. Um, Zoe wrote a piece for us uh, this morning about about Bobby um, just being a brilliant, uh, dependable squad player. But the problem is you need to find the best place for him in the team. And right. hey, who did you... You know, when everyone else had missed a chance, including Bobby right at the beginning, let's not forget. Oh,
1: fantastic you, chance. Who, yeah.
0: who did you want striding onto that great pass from Andreas Pereira? running in on goal, you'd have probably picked Bobby and he didn't let anybody down. So I got the changes. I was surprised. And for a while, it felt like more of the same. But you have to say, uh, Marco Silva, that's why he's the manager. He's got 50 50 Fulham wins, I think now. Um, So that's, uh, that's a serious achievement for someone who's barely been in charge of, to charge of hundred games and uh yeah we we know he's a genius we don't need to uh to labor the point do we
1: no we don't but i want to focus a little bit more on this thing because i've given this some thought and i'm curious your thoughts on this do you think the changes were about sheffield united or do you think this was more to do with marco trying to change things up for his own side do you think he was thinking more about the opponent or just thinking about we need to make changes to reignite Fulham's offensive prowess? Or do you think it might be even a little bit of both?
0: It is definitely a bit of both. I, was, uh, well, I didn't want to give you a politician's answer, given <laughs> that one of those. Um, uh, the change at centre-forward had everything to do with how Sheffield United play. Um, so they play with the three centre-backs, and they're quite physical centre-backs, and you needed somebody to match up in that battle, but also to have the pace to run away from them. And Vinny um, has that. Uh, Bobby Decker, overread selection, I think, was a reaction to three things. One, how poor we were on the previous Monday. Yeah. Um, but also uh, Harry Wilson struggling a little bit to find the form with which he finished last season not as influential because as a left-footed player on the right who wants to um, come inside quite a bit, um, he's quite easy to nullify, especially when he isn't getting the ball. Um, And also Bobby will do that work the other way. Without Kenny Tete, um, that's really important, Uh, almost Roy Hodgson-esque in the way that you expect your right winger and your left winger to go back and, and help, um, and Awoyi was all about something. That's the one that. So I this think, is the
1: one that I think was a change then.
0: That was a definite look. I mean, they were all a definitive change on what had gone before, but you must have looked at that. Silver must have looked at that. You know, I said to somebody, "You could have driven an oil tanker through Fulham's midfield in the Derby." You know, I love Harrison Reed. Um, but I'm not sure he was even in the right postcode um, for that game. Zhao was even well off it that night. And uh, our, our little neighbours from down the road, you know, they could have put you and me in Central Midfield and, and we'd have had a fun time. So yeah. something had to change. And a will be, you know, I, I even posed a question that maybe Tom Kearney gets to start because it felt like a game for Tom Kearney. It was a game for Tom Kenny, and I'm sure we'll come on to that. Yep. Okay,
1: very good there, Dan. All right. Now, let's talk about, before we really break down this match and go through both halves, I want to talk about both these injuries. I don't know if you've got a view of Chris Basham's. It's horrible when you look at it. And then, of course, I also want to mention the injury to Issa Diop, which I think is significant, Dan. I absolutely think this is significant. I think... For both clubs to get affected this way now, Diop, I don't know how bad that is. But we know that potentially Basham's is career ending. I mean, that's how bad that is. So what do you make of both of these injuries?
0: I mean, I heard the, uh, I, I, you know, I sit um, behind the goal, H5, and the house quite low down. Um, so I heard the crack. Um, and it's possibly one of the most sickening things. And when you see what happens, you think, oh, he's just miscued the cross, and he has. Um and yeah, it's horrible. Um I've I've met Chris Basham. Um he is if I if if anyone I I hope it's not too trite to say he's probably the Tim Ream of Sheffield United. His longevity right slightly different in that he can play in a number of positions he's not really a he played center back he's not really a center back he was a midfielder he plays right back he plays right wing back he'll play wherever you want you, you know think of reams longevity and chris baird and and bobby deck would over as a uh, in terms of versatility but a strong uh uh cult hero within the club um and it was bad for two reasons because he's 35, and it's a dreadful injury even for someone who's 25. Um, the the good news is I think he's had one operation and he has another one tomorrow or Wednesday, um, I think. And he has been able to um, to to post on social media, to speak, and to you know um, at least be upbeat about. Where it goes, I wasn't, you know, he's a very strong character. Uh, I thought Chris Coleman would never play again after his uh, car crash. And he he did for Wales. He he, he never did for Fulham, unfortunately. Um, You know, I mean, it was just dreadful. And uh, I'll just say, we'll talk about Tim Ream, I'm sure. Um, That was a lovely, uh, lovely moment. And it summed up uh, Tim Ream. Uh, and uh, and what Fulham Football Club should be about, um, indeed, because it was it would be very easy to for people to sort of say, "Oh, this is taking too long," you know. Uh, but the gravity of the situation uh, really hit home. Uh, and I would just say it may not have been clear on the broadcast, but there was a minute's applause before that in the 16th minute for a young Fulham supporter, Freddie Haynes, yes. who passed away. Recently, aged only 16, and I would just say that the Sheffield United fans have been very generous in their praise for Tim Riemann and the Fulham fans. But it's very easy for away fans with no connection to the uh, to the opposing club to maybe ignore or not appreciate a um, I minute's mean, applause because the acoustics in, at Craven Cottage are not the best. And it wasn't widely announced, but they all stood. They all applauded. And it's a proper community club, Sheffield United, which, which makes it even worse, actually, what's happened to, to Chris Basham. And they've had their own um, tragedy um, uh, recently with, uh, with somebody I know or knew, um, Manny Cusack, um, who's related to a, to a former Fulham player. Um, so it's very sad. Um, I hope that he is able to recover and play football, but I'm certain that he will be in the game in in some capacity. I know he was thinking about doing coaching badges, so we really hope it's not the end. Um, Issa Diop's injury is significant, nowhere near as serious as what happened to Chris Basham, and we wish Chris well. Um, The Issa Diop one, they're still scanning it. He posted on Instagram um that he will come back stronger and in the comments not that i'm a regular instagram user russ you understand it's not really for people like me um (laughs) but uh in the comments where a number of his teammates and compatriots were asking how bad is it uh he writes to uh somebody don't worry bro um So, he's clearly able, clearly confident about it. I thought it was a hamstring injury. That's what I thought. But Marco Silva said there was a crack in his foot. That could be a metatarsal. That could be anything from sort of six weeks to three months. Um, And, you know, the the absolutely shambolic nature of what happened for Sheffield United's equaliser. I said this to somebody else. Only Fulham could concede a goal like that, Russ. The, 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 if, if you want the definition of Fulhamish, it's that. <laughs> um, but look, on the significance of the injury, it's clearly yeah. significant because Calvin Bassi came on played really well. Yeah, he did. But it's not ideal to have two left-footed centre-backs. That's what we're go- going to have. I know. Um, because Tosin is is injured and out for some time. Um, Luke de Fusero, uh, who will make his international yeah. debut for Canada yeah. this week, I think, is next in line. And, you know, I don't have a problem with with, with, with Luke stepping up, but I'd rather he didn't do it at Tottenham immediately. Um, but we may have to. Right. it would be
1: interesting to see. And listen, I actually, like I said, I got to see Luke play right in front of me, and he looked calm, very assured of himself, I wouldn't actually, believe it or not, I agree with you, Dan. I wouldn't have an issue with him playing, but the spot playing against Tottenham is certainly not ideal, and I might go with Bassi in that case, but we'll see what Marco decides to do. Okay, excellent. Coming up next, the second half of the show, Dan and I are going to break down this match, and we'll end with man of the match. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home-ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app at participating restaurants, 18+, plus serving times,
2: delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends,
1: Fulham came really strong out of the blocks, as we would say over here. They were really aggressive from the get-go. You could tell that this is going to be a different type of performance from foam. and that is what I wanted to see. I'm sure it's what you wanted to see. Unfortunately, there are no goals to talk about in the first half. You have some wonderful opportunities. You already talked about Bobby and Dover reed You have Williams, and then you have a sitter from Andres Pereira. But if you watch it back, it was deflected slightly. I know how you're reacting, Dan. So let's talk about this because Fulham easily, did, could have been up 2-0 at the half. And I think you would agree with me on that. Give me your first half
0: analysis. Oh, much more than Um, 2-0. Well, we had a different type of performance. They were certainly much more assertive. I mean, when you said fast out of the blocks, so I had visions of those you know 100 meter uh, <laughs> sprinting races where like they all if you're not fast out of the blocks in that it's over you're um, done yeah. yeah well particularly the pace these people run these days is done in the blink of an eye uh, speaking of which Anthony Robinson started really well and I was surprised you know perhaps you will have a bit more insight than us or, yes. on this I mean I'm surprised that uh, <laughs> Jedi played given that, you know, he's not included in the American squad for very understandable reasons. He's basically been playing football, what, two years consistently with, without a break, really? Um, so he, he him and Williams started really well on the left flank. They made that chance for Bobby. Um, yep. I think Vinny makes. A really good chance for William, and I was begging. That was the one where you were like, "Just put it in the corner," right. and he went to blast it. And him makes a good save, I think. Um, there's a couple of headers or, or close chance, potential chances from from corners, and then we get to the one that really infuriated me. I get what you're saying. Yes, there was a deflection, <laughs> but. Andreas, who, Andreas really bothered me on Saturday because until he played, what well, the reason he's in the team is to play the pass that he plays to Declan Reid for the <laughs> goal. Yeah. Right. Until he did that, he, every decision in the final third seemed to be the wrong one. So <laughs> he had time when that one deflected to him, probably to kill it, take a touch yep. and pick his spot. But he was so desperate to try and get it in quickly. He, he, he sort of, I, I don't really know how he managed to put it over the bar, but he did. And the point of this segment is first half analysis. So I won't talk about the second half because uh, that would be suboptimal. Uh, sure. But my, 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 my concern was that we dominated, but we still had a big fat lonely zero next to our name on the scoreboard and that's worrying enough because if you need to create six chances to score a goal it's going to be a very long season. Totally agree Dan and uh,
1: watching that first half was difficult because you could see what they were doing but I've seen this too many times Dan not just from foam but from many sides that basically don't take advantage of their opportunities, and it comes back to bite them. Thankfully, it didn't in this match, and Fulham get all three points. We'll talk about now what happens in the second half, so let's not waste any time. Let's talk about the goal. You've already talked about Bobby Deca but this is what I would call a complete team goal, Dan. So many people were involved in this goal, and it was a wonderful pass, as uh, we were just talking about Andres Pereira. Well, he makes up for it with this pass, Dan. Thoughts on the goal from Bobby De Oh,
0: it's great. It's a lovely move from Fulham. Um, It goes up to Vinicius, and Carlos does really well. Reminds me of what um, Carlos did for Manuel Solomon's goal at Brighton, a similar sort of... Oh, yes, I remember. ...turn and play. But this one, he had the vision to play Pereira into space on the left flank and then Pereira still had to I mean it didn't look possible to play that pass from the angle where I was behind the goal it didn't look on and he played it and it was into a space where Bobby could first time where Bobby could run and the beauty of it was Bobby could just concentrate then on control and finish he didn't need to worry about is the ball going to reach me it was brilliant and as, as we as as we've sort of said already, he, he he's the person you want going into that position, um, to to, to finish that off. And I was really pleased for Bobby D. C could over you know, um to to score and you saw in his celebration just how much it meant to him. Um and he's just very quietly gone past well, there's a lot of fanfare about Harrison Reed. Making his 150th appearance at Manchester City uh, last month, Bobby Dech would overread 151 appearances. Wow! You know, and never let Fulham down. And no, came up with the you know came up with the kind of finish that that turns the season around, or at least kickstarts the season again. That's the way I would look at it. Then
1: kickstarts the season, and I think they really needed that. Unfortunately, then you get the equalizer, and you've already. Shared your thoughts on this. That this is a horrific goal to give up. So I hate to have you go through it again, but I'm going to ask you. Let's go through it again. Let's talk about the own goal from uh, Jedi. Unfortunately, that gives uh, Sheffield United a lifeline and makes it one-one.
0: Uh, can I, Bill, coach talk for the therapy session that we'll have to? Yes, you yeah. can. Thank you. Um, so. Well, well, there's two things about this. Firstly, the television camera won't have picked it up. But after the goal had gone in, um, Vinicius marches back to the centre circle and remonstrates with Diop, who's still getting treatment. And he sort of makes a gesture as if to say, go away, get away from me. Why have you done that? And what he was, he was pointing to the sideline and Vinny's English is not... Um, uh, he's not as proficient in English as he is in a number of other languages, but I'm fairly confident that it was the the king's best Anglo-Saxon that he used in in, in a language. So tell uh, Diop that if he's going to fall down like that, either you fall down on the ball and make it very difficult for anyone to play on, or if you've got a problem with one foot, use your other foot and kick it as far away as possible, right? But we didn't do that. And I understand why if Diop got suddenly a pain that was completely unbearable. Um, But then the defending after that was, well, I don't think there was any. No,
1: there wasn't.
0: I like Castagna. I think he's a really good player. But it's far too easy for LaRucci to get into a crossing position in the first place. And then I think the cross gets a deflection. This is where you'll have to help me out because... I've seen several replays, but it's at the wrong end of the ground. And I think Jedi is just concerned because McBurney is behind him. Right. But even then he could take a touch in that situation. He could put it behind for a corner. He could do anything, but put it because Leno is out of the, you know, he's put it in the place where Leno can't get to it. And he didn't intend to, Right. But I wonder if his right foot is for standing on like Tom Kearney's. Um, and, yeah, uh, we'll come on to Tom Kearney's right foot in a minute. We will. Uh, we will. But, yeah, that was uh, disappointing, shall we say. But the positive thing is how Fulham responded to that because there was a couple of minutes immediately after the equaliser. I-, I would just say we've had the right back uh, lose his boot and decide to run down the tunnel to get a new boot earlier this season, and conceded a goal. Our centre back has damaged himself seriously. We've and by the way, I didn't expect Sheffield United to put the ball out. You know, we don't do right. that anymore. They can play on because it's not a head injury. <laughs> um, oh, excuse me. And uh, and then we have Robinson, the left back, donate a goal. Um, I've never seen a circumstance like that. I've been watching Fulham a long time, but we come up with new ways every week to <laughs> offer the opposition way back into a match. I mean, goodness knows what we're going to do next time. But oh, yeah.
1: I don't want to know what's going to happen next, Dan. I, I, that, to me, was, was enough. But let's move on. Let's now talk about the good stuff, okay? Talk about the response. Now, what's interesting about the Tom Kearney goal is that it's not a Tom Kearney goal. Fulham are claiming it's a Tom Kearney goal. Everyone else is calling it an own oh,
0: goal. It is a Tom goal. I'm not having it. And I'll tell you why it's a Fulham goal as well. Thank you. Thank because, you. Go ahead because it's a Fulham goal because Ross uh, West Fotheringham was made in the Fulham academy and <laughs> they only had one uh under 18 goalkeeper slot to get a professional contract. And it went to somebody called Marcus Bertinelli. You might have heard of him. I remember. Um, Um, Now, Wes was a little upset about that. Um, And, you know, it's slightly unfair that a lot of people suggest that um, because Marcus's father is still on the academy goalkeeping staff, that, you know, that might have had something to do with it. Wes, though, was an excellent goalkeeper, and he's proven to be so. Right. Um, So, I mean, I I, I think this is a nonsense, personally, because, um, I mean, the first thing is we have to give credit to Marco for recognising what was happening, getting Kearney um, and other substitutes into the game. Right. And Kearney made a difference. He had a lovely little ding-dong with Oliver Norwood, which brought back memories of when they were on the same side. Um, And... He's, I mean, it, it's just a hilarious goal because we know that uh, Tom doesn't like to use his right foot. But, uh, you know, the ambition to try and shoot from there, I, I applaud it because we don't shoot from far out often enough. Um, I don't think he could do that again if he tried. Obviously, he'll tell you he meant to do it. He lined it up from 30 yards with his left foot and he got that bend and dip because when you saw it from behind the goal, it just looked like it had looped off the defender um, who was directly in front of him. Um, But it was extraordinary. And there's a funny moment where he's shushing William, who's obviously said something to him as if, I don't know what it was. And then when William scores the third goal, he runs up to Tom Kearney and puts his finger to his lips as well in the celebration. Um, but look, I, I did just want to say something about TC yes. coming on and providing that um, vitality in the midfield and that creativity because uh, he got Fulham going forward again. He got us keeping the ball. We didn't panic and we created more opportunities. Clearly, it was quite fortunate that that one led to a goal. It visibly relaxed us, but you know as well as I do, Russ, that you can't relax when Fulham are a goal in front. You probably not. you probably can't relax when Fulham are two goals in front. I need even, three
1: goals in front.
0: Even in the ninety second minute of ninety eight or whatever it was gonna be, but <laughs> I have segued on to the uh to the third goal because that's the one that Wes Fotheringham will be disappointed with. But Absolutely. here here was a lovely um, little bit of work from from Rodrigo uh, Munoz uh, yeah. to keep that movement alive, and William had been excellent all game, even if he'd been unlucky, and I castigated him for shooting straight at the goalkeeper earlier on in the in the match, and he did it again, but there was enough power on this one to to, to go through, and like uh, Bobby william was obviously very relieved to score his first goal of the season yeah and i think in the with the lack of a clinical striker you're gonna need the rest of the team to chip in so bobby deck would overread. i mean get the statue ready now he's got two goals this season so i mean that's extraordinary uh william has now got one obviously Tom Kenny doesn't have any. I I wouldn't suggest we remind him of that fact. But the the point about this is we got there in the end. I think there were a lot of elements to this performance that were unconvincing because Sheffield United could have got something from the game by virtue of how we handed them a route back into it. But, you know, you've got to win these games and you know nobody much cares beyond ourselves about the sort of the ebb and flow of a football match most people just look for the score um and it looks like quite a convincing win because it was but those of us who were there all suffered through it um you know we know that i've certainly got a few more few less hairs and a few more gray hairs as a result of that afternoon um but we got there, and the three points are important for another reason, Ross yep. because we, we, we needed to catch up with the seventh-place team, oh. uh, given, your, given your optimism earlier in the season. Well,
1: I'm not feeling that optimistic of getting seventh, but I'm still in there. I'm still not that far away, but good point by you. I also want to mention that this is, I think, the second goal that Tom Kearney has scored with his right foot. I, I would have taken one. Now I think we have two. So that is uh, crazy because he does not want to use his right foot, Dan. The fact that he's now scored a couple goals with his right foot in his career with foam, I think is uh, a great no, thing. Not
0: right? Of course, it's not officially not a Tom Kenny goal. Oh, we I'm know, sorry. I, we, keep we, know back different. we know different, don't we? Um, uh, we,
1: do, we do know different, Dan. Very good point. All right. Let's wrap this up with man of the match. I actually heard the Green Pole podcast. I want to give a shout out to the Green Pole podcast. They did a great show talking about this match i would highly recommend it i heard them talking about man of the match there are a few different players that they were talking about that could be man of the match dan i'll go first this time i'm actually going to give it to bobby decadova reed i just think bobby really as you mentioned he's this player i was a huge fan of bear different types of players but just a player that you need in your team and he doesn't hurt you he only helps you I'm giving it to Bobby Decker Dover-Reed. We can talk about, obviously, William and maybe someone else too. Who's your man of the match?
0: Well, it was Bobby Decker Dover-Reed. So I'm just going to use what little time I have left to talk about Tim Ream making 300 appearances. For yes, please do that. Fulham. Um, you know, we all love Tim Ream and he shows why uh, on a human level or on Saturday. But he also... There's something very strong, very fitting about how he bounced back from a poor performance to give a great performance, and uh, I hope that the American soccer community um, revere[s] Tim Ream now um, as much as we do for his longevity, for his desire, for his ferocious will to win and improve that is. So enshrined in um, American players, particularly at Fulham. You know, we on that Green Pole podcast, we, we listed um, a number of Americans. Yeah, uh, you did. And uh, yeah, I, I, I hate to impugn Max Cohen, who <laughs> would always, I, I love Max, but I know he'll listen to this at some point. So I had to get it in. You know, Go ahead. One of my. One of our um, listeners and contributors uh, in the comments on our, our section, um, uh, Gavin Rome, uh, always says that his favourite part of Cottage Talk is when Max talks about whether Fulham have got enough Premier League players um, and, and is somebody of the pedigree to be a Premier League player. Um, and, you know, there was some doubt, not, not necessarily just from Max. But there was some doubt at one point about whether Tim Ream would be a, you know, proven performer in the Premier League. There's right. no doubt now, you know, he will have put poor, poor games. Everyone does, but he's made 300 appearances, and we have a a saying in England that comes from cricket, which is a game that um, even English people don't understand. <laughs> but we have something called "not out" in cricket, um, which uh, you, you do have it in baseball because there are only yeah. so many outs in an inning. Right. right. But we have a thing where, you, you know, somebody can be not out and, and the game is over. Um, but it, it, you give the score of the batter as the batter scored, you know, 300 runs not out. And Tim Ream is 300 not out. And what that means is to be continued, you know, he yeah. will carry on. And amass more performance, more more appearances. I think Bedford Jezzard I think, is next on three hundred and six. I mean, Tom Kenny's on two hundred and ninety six wow. himself. But let's just, you know, Tim Ream, what a man, what a player, what an ambassador for for Fulham, for football, for America. Um, you know, if Tony Khan has given up his designs on being Secretary of State, which I think is good. Uh, move given his diplomatic comments about um, Saudi Arabians and murdering people that didn't necessarily help, Um, you know, Tim Ream would make an interesting nominee for some sort of diplomatic position, Uh, but we'd like him to be the minister of defense for Fulham for quite some time to come.
1: Very good there, Dan. And it's funny because uh, I'll just mention Tim Ream and uh, obviously I remember when he first came to Fulham and, uh, he, every time I have had any doubts about him, he's proven me wrong and he deserves all the credit in the world. I even said something about this season because I'm like, his father, his father time caught up to Tim Ream, And then he puts out a, a great performance. So just want to give it to him, give a shout out to him. I'm glad that you did that to end the show. And, and I would uh, just say, sorry,
0: just before, I know, I know we've got to wrap up, but yep. just before we do, he's obviously, he's also a member of the podcasting community. He, he is an excellent the, podcast. You know, but the American Dream is very good. As That's name, very good, almost as good as That's So Craven. Um, <laughs> That's So Craven's friends, a wonderful name. Our Australian friends, who I know you've been on the the podcast with with the with the Aussie boys, they haven't had me on um i think i might have offended them during the no
1: we're going to have to change that i'll talk during to the get you on summer. that's so craven
0: <laughs> we, we got a bit uh heated between england and australia um so i might have offended uh, no
1: that. we'll get you on i'll i'll yeah. talk to them I'll I'll, a good word I'll I'll get you on there. yeah so i will definitely put in a good word for you to Thank get you me. on that's so craven but i'm glad that you brought on mentioned the uh american oh. dream podcast from tim ree it is excellent and This show has been excellent. It's always excellent doing a show with you, Dan. Before I go, I'm going to give a little bit of a tease. I'm not going to say who's joining us, but we are planning a special show on Thursday night. I will have more details once we have nailed down a time, but I'll just say it. It's going to be legendary, and that's how I'm going to end this episode. My name's Russ Coleman. It's not me.
0: Let's just say that. No, it's not you. No, 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 no.
1: No, it's not Dan Crawford. But Dan it's Crawford
0: more <laughs>
1: legendary than me. <laughs> Dan, I have to wrap up the show. Thank
0: you.
1: As always, thank you to my special guest, my special co-host, Dan Crawford from Hammyan.com. Dan also does a great podcast called the Green Pole Podcast. I'm Russ Coleman. Thank you as always for watching and listening to Cottage Talk, part of the Talk Sport Fan Network.
2: The Talk Sport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with free for mental health awareness week this year. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football.
1: It's the 90th minute and all to play for at the end of the match. All your mates are around. You've got your McDougat share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? I know I'm in. At participating restaurants, 18-plus, serving times, delivery fee, and term supply, see McDonald's.com.
0: This podcast is proud to be part of the Talk Sport Fan Network. Talk sport powered by fans.